0: In their problems to me for as long as I can remember. I have one of those faces that just says, tell me what's going on. And now I have one of those podcasts that says, go ahead, tell me what's going on. Welcome to Mess in Progress. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Mess in Progress with myself, Gina Briona, my lovely co-host slash everything person, Catherine G. Mendoza. Catherine, say hi to the people.
1: Hey, people.
0: I'm in my baño, by the way, in my new apartment. So like, this is why you see the poopery. Okay. This is like this is like bootleg, not bootleg poopery, but it's from Airwick. It's their poop spray. And stinky <laughs> shoe spray. I had a thing with smells. I don't like I don't like stinky smells. I'm very sensitive to it.
1: I get that. I have um, see I'm old school. I have matches.
0: Yeah. Matches, I, I respect people that have matches, but like for me, it's just like the poop smell, like when you can get rid of it, fine. But stinky shoes, bro.
1: Oh yeah. No. I mean, I just feel like so bathrooms i don't know why but i feel like the the poop array stu- stuff stuff kind of like covers it it masks it it doesn't get rid of it but i feel like yeah. uh the smoke the mat the match smoke is like fighting the smell you know what i mean it's like,
0: like and- fighting that sulfur fart smell whereas the other one just now just smells like you pooped in an apple orchard
1: exactly like- so that, that's the most uncomfortable thing to walk in after somebody sprayed after somebody pooped because you're sitting there like smells good but not good and i don't know how to feel in this yeah like it doesn't really smell good
0: yeah no. it does not not smell like poop
1: right <laughs> right no, it's like it's they should poop poopery I, li- I like the name but it yeah. should just be called not smell like poop
0: <laughs> not smell like poop or undertones of poop <laughs> like when you're drinking wine you're like this is fruity with a little undertone of poop happily with an undertone of stinky churras. It's woodsy with <laughs> <laughs> an undertone of
1: churras.
0: You know what's funny is I've always said churras like growing up and my Mexican friends always say chorro when I talk to them. When they when they say diarrhea, they say chorro. Just like with um fart, yeah. I've always said bail, meaning yeah. Puerto Rican, and my Mexican friends say pedo. And mm. they're like, Pedo's the word, and Puerto Ricans are like, it's bail. Well
1: pedo is technically <laughs> the that's word. the word, yeah technically, right? Because you can't police dialects, but I don't think there is a correct in chura or churros I don't think there's a correct one there. I truly think that- Hold on one second. I gotta pause, hold on one second.
0: Hey guys, and welcome to Mess In Progress with myself, Gina Briona, my lovely co-host slash everything person, Catherine G. Mendoza. Catherine, say hi to the people.
1: Hi, people. Oh, that was so adorable. Hi, people.
0: I went to work at a New York City comedy club this week and I was at Gotham Comedy Club. It was my first weekend back in New York performing in one of my favorite clubs. And it is, they're opening at half capacity. It is just as weird as it sounds. It's awkward and weird and people are very spaced out. And like the first show you could tell people just didn't know what to do with themselves. Or like, like, it's just weird. We're not jammed up next to another table.
1: See, that's weird to me, mostly because it's like you went on purpose, like the the people, right? So like, I would assume you should be comfortable. I
0: I would assume that you'd be ready and you'd be more comfortable with people sitting six feet apart than anything else. But you could tell there was this awkwardness. And it's probably just the setup itself is so weird now because the tables are so spaced out that it just doesn't feel as connected. And the laughter is a little bit disjointed probably because of the space. So it was just weird, but it still felt so good to be back. Like you can still tell the people are like, you know, they're there for it. Like they want to have fun. They want to see live comedy. They're down for it. And for me, like, and for the other comics, we were just like, oh, thank God this is back because I mean, don't get me wrong. I had some really great virtual shows but there's nothing like a live show.
1: Right, right. No, I mean, I get that. Like your, your profession depends highly on the interaction, the people kind of stuff like, it's it's and it's not. It's a two way street, right? Like I I went to one virtual show. I don't want to laugh by myself. Like this is not a movie. It was weird, especially because you're hearing. Actually, it feels fake. It feels like being in a live studio audience. Audience, but like it's like being in a recording room of a laugh track because you hear nothing but like ha 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 like randomly and you're just like what the hell.
0: or you hear somebody's background you hear somebody just talking one time I heard somebody just having a conversation dude was having a conversation with his wife like while the show was going on and he's talking with his mouth full and I hear you see
1: there's there's too much intimacy with sound on virtual shows that's what it is
0: it there really is like I'm seeing too much of your life bro why are you sitting in bed watching this show yeah yeah (laughs) Like, I shouldn't know what your sheets look like, bro. We don't know each other. Do
1: they have them, like, like people are attending with the laptop on their lap? That's, that's
0: kind of... On their lap, in their bed. There was one time a dude was chilling in his bed, had the pillow, everything laying down, laptop on his belly, like just chilling. I'm like, my man, I shouldn't know what your bedroom looked like. Go sit at a table. You don't got a table, bro.
1: That's funny because it's like, dude, you're not watching a Netflix comedy special. (laughs) Like
0: my man, you look real laid up right now. Are you gonna make it through this show?
1: It kind of feels like you just randomly were doing stand-up, like just hitting people up while they're home. Like a telemarket, telemarketing stand-up. That's what you was doing. You just <laughs> hit people while they were there, they were like, hello. You were like, Hi, this is Gina Brion. Would you like a little stand-up? And they were like, sure. <laughs> I guess, let me, can I run these
0: jokes by you real quick? <laughs> I just want to run these jokes by you. The only benefit to like me for virtual shows is like with an actual audience you could see the disappointment when they don't like something (laughs) with Um, virtual shows I'm like oh no I'm the speaker so I'm in the little box I don't see none of y'all so you can keep that stank face to yourself (laughs) keep it to yourself I don't even care
1: it is a little bit like you're uh speaking to yourself
0: yeah that's literally what it feels like you're just performing to it's almost like when you rehearse your material, like if I was doing like a special or something and I would rehearse my material, like pace back and forth or do it in front of a mirror or something. That's what it feels like. You're just like, it feels like a rehearsal. It doesn't feel like an actual set. It feels like you're just rehearsing for a real show.
1: Wow. That makes sense. I get that. But I mean, I don't
0: mind so much because I think it makes you a little more free.
1: But how did it feel for you to be on a stage again? I mean, because I know you've done it for years, but yeah. took a year off technically. It
0: was amazing as as nerve-wracking as it was because like I stepped on stage and it was just like I hope this goes okay and I felt like I was all over the place because there's new stuff I'm doing and then there's like old stuff you throw in there for your own comfort level and so like it was weird it was almost like I was trying to find my footing you know and once I got it like I had three shows like I had boom 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 three shows like a five a seven and a, a nine I think and um It was just the first show was like, eh, the second show was better. And the third show was great. So it was almost like, okay, I had the time to like practice. And then I was there like the next night too. So it's just, you get back into it where it's like, you have to force yourself, like no matter how tired you are, no matter whatever, you have to push yourself to make sure that you're getting on stage as much as possible. So you can rework that muscle that kind of feels like it's atrophied a little bit.
1: Yeah. It's the performing muscle. I get that. But you got to get
0: out there and be like, am I being too corny? Am I being cheesy? Like, what am I doing? Like, you just, you kind of battle yourself as to where you're at, you know, with performing. So, I mean, it felt good. I'm not going to lie. It was kind of like, um, for lack of a better term, busting your comedy nut. It really was like, it really was like that moment, that climax where you're just like, you get off stage and you're like, oh, that was really good. (laughs) Uh, even if it was bad oh that was really good but in a bad way it's really good because I just I, I'm over it like when you really need to get some and then you finally get some but it's whack you'd be like I oh, think I got some
1: I think the worst is not that the worst is when you get some you 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 finish but you also have another sensation like you got to poop or something you ever had that you ever yeah. like like uh, like somewhere in the middle yeah the I need to poop sensation I'm not gonna poop on you that's
0: not gonna happen that's not a but thing you know, when but I, I go, the, I got the caca butts right now, and I, I need to.
1: Or the I need to pee happens, and that that's, happens to me a lot. I can mess up the 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 actual like nut. Like it can make you. Well, here's the thing. I did once hear that women, right before actual penetration coming, can sometimes feel like the same feeling as like urgency to pee.
0: Yeah.
1: And it makes it confusing because you're like, do I have to pee or do I have to not? I don't know.
0: Did I just pee on this
1: guy? That's
0: weird. Did I just, I can't tell. I I can't really tell. So I had another thing that came up this weekend that I wanted to talk to you about because I feel like it's something that I think a lot of people can relate to. Do you think it's appropriate to stay close to an ex's family member? Appropriate? Or like, is it a good idea to stay close with somebody in terms of like protecting your energy, in terms of like taking care of yourself? Like if this person was very toxic, if you have a toxic ex, but you're close with their family, like what are the rules? What are the guidelines?
1: I think that's, you know, um, subjective to yourself. So if it's not a, a toxic situation, like the former, anything like that, I don't think that's a big deal because as long as like, Y'all respecting the other people's relationships and y'all moved on. That's one thing. Yeah. You know, if you have kids, you are in each other's families. That's another thing. But if they were a toxic person, and you happen to build a really strong bond with their family, yeah. I think it's twofold. Because if they're if you're if it's a strong bond, but that family's still very strong with that with that specific person, like they they're tight with that person, then to some degree you might come in between whatever happens in their dynamic mm. and they protect i would then go okay you got to protect your energy but i don't know this is it's too broad i think it's too situation based right like well me let my- me explain the
0: situation a little bit more so that you kind of get a feel for what i'm talking about because i think it's a situation that not that a lot of people have been through but i think it could be understandable as to why you would want to help somebody or stay close to them um even being in a space of like hey can i know i have to protect my energy even being in that space Well, my ex's sister now those of you who know those of you who have been fans of the podcast for a while know that my ex was very very toxic and i love his family very much i love them and his sister is actually going through uh like a thing where you know she's kind of accepting and talking about trauma that she experienced and because we've always been so close. She needed an ally. She needed a friend and she came to lean on me. And of course I, with open arms, just accepted her in because she's always been like a little sister to me. But I have had people that kind of know the situation be like, well, you need to protect your energy. You need to stay away from that. That's not your situation. And like, I get it. I do get it. They're not wrong in about me protecting my energy, but what they also have to understand is I've been in therapy for that toxicity for a very long time. I've dealt with a lot of that trauma. So I am ahead of her on the path that she is now going down. And so I feel like I can add some insight and she's not the type of person to really overstep too much with asking for things, but she needs somebody to lean on. And I feel like not that it's my responsibility, but because I love her, I'm like, you know, I'll help you with any way I can. And I feel like that's a bigger thing to me than trying to protect myself.
1: Um. Yeah. See, I, I, I don't agree necessarily that like you have to protect yourself first and foremost in, in a sense of, if you feel like you have healed from that and you have moved on like significantly, then and in no way she's ever going to put you in harm's way or in front of this person or anything like that, then the, what are you protecting yourself from? Right? Like, cause in honest, in honesty, it's like, if you're just hitting her up, hearing her out and going, these are the things that worked for me. That's just friendship. That's just care. But if it ever is like, and I'm not saying this is it. I think that, Protecting yourself is if a person starts being like, yeah, but like, can you come? Can you do? That's different, right? Like, cause that's like, I don't want to be near that person. I don't want to be near none of that. But I will say this though, um, and um, could sound very unpopular. The difference between you and her is the fact that he was your ex and he is her family. And yeah. I, I, I say this with no disrespect to the family because I do not know that. Clearly, the family is toxic. There's no way that this person was toxic to you and then toxic to her. And there isn't a bigger ordeal here.
0: And I think that's what I ignored for a very long time. I couldn't admit that the toxicity wasn't just in this one person. Right. That there was toxicity in the entire unit. And that's also something now that when I spoke to my therapist, my therapist was like, that this is the first time I've heard you admit Mm -hmm. that the family itself was toxic. And there's a lot of toxic families. I'm not trying to, you know, gawk on anybody or whatever. Like we all have our levels of toxicity. We all have our levels of trauma that we have dealt with. And this is just about open communication and trying to move forward in a better direction. And that's where I, I hope that, you know, this, works out and that she ends up on this better path because that's the hope with something like this.
1: Right. And I mean, like, look, if toxic is too harsh of a word for some people, then a better word is still dysfunction. The dysfunction of of the dysfunction of that family created the toxicity of that person. Either way, that's where I will say you do need to protect yourself. Where at the end of the day, unfortunately, she's going to have to come to terms with her limitations with her own family, her moving away because she can't only move away and heal from him. She needs to heal and move from the people who enabled him, who probably still enable him. She needs to do a lot of that kind of stuff. Because at the end of the day, she could get all this help and she can get all your help. But if she's around I don't know if she is, but if she's around people who are like, but you're our family, no girl, you're you're gonna the cycle will begin again. You know that's, what
0: I mean? Yeah, that's the unfortunate thing. And even if Dysfunction is too harsh of a word for some people. We can say that it's it, there's an imbalance, there's something that's out of balance with them that needs to be realigned and needs to be fixed. And the issue is, will they be willing to do the work to fix it, or are they so you know stubborn and stuck in their ways that they're like, no, it's you that has the issue? Which 90% of the time, a lot of times in these situations, with you know, with no balance, where there's a lack of balance and there, things need to be realigned, they will blame the victim. They will blame the person and go, you're making a big deal out of this. You're making this too, like, this is not that big of a deal. You're being
1: dramatic. Because they enjoy the norm. They have a norm and they enjoy that norm. And I I think that the, the big issue seems to be she recognizes there's an issue. Mm-hmm. But does she, like you recognize that they don't recognize there's an issue and is she willing to accept that because she could do all the healing she wants it won't matter if you keep going into the spaces that suck you back into whatever earth. and that's what it is it's like so you got to think about things like christmas you got to think about things like things like i sorry it sucks but it's a, it's a real thing in reality you don't need to protect yourself my opinion from him or that family. Uh, you do need to protect yourself though, if you start seeing a cycle in her. Yes. Meaning if it's like, okay, so this time next, not even, cause healing takes time. But this time, five years from now, like it's a misma cosa. And I'm talking about where you're like, but girl, like you- have
0: already gone through
1: this. Kind of, do, you know what I mean? You knew, you knew. And that somehow starts to harm you. If it doesn't harm you, then it doesn't harm you. But that somehow starts to like, if she starts to complain things that could could trigger maybe your own personal memories with that family and with those experiences, the way you can actually protect yourself is literally by telling her, hey, you know, um, I'm here for you and all that. Sometimes I don't like hearing about, and then X, Y, and Z. Like if she, if I don't like, because it reminds me, we can heal all we want. We can work on all we want. But the thing is that some wounds, I think, I don't actually believe that um, the scar stops. Like it doesn't hurt, but that scar is this reminder. And I think that certain scars aren't like a scar because you burned yourself on your arm. Some of them are like a scar on your face, and it, it and it's a it's a reminder that makes you feel like, damn, that messed up the money shot. You know, like that messed up that messed up something. if I just made different choices and I honestly don't want to be reminded when sometimes you bring stuff up you're bringing a mirror up and reminding me of the scar you know what I mean that's why that's where I would go if that ever happened that's different but if she's just expecting stuff that you know her stuff and it doesn't trigger any of your stuff be a friend she's your you kind of considered her family
0: yeah and so I feel like I don't mind helping her, but I do think you're right. I think protecting myself in terms of if it starts to bring up old feelings or whatever, or if it is a situation where she's like, could you play mediator? I'm going to be like, that's a little bit of a conflict of interest because I'm too far involved. You need somebody else to play mediator because tempers will get too high if I'm around. Just like this person may be a trigger for me. I may be a trigger for that person. And so- that's the last thing that nothing that nothing would help in that situation like it wouldn't be any help no, so i'm no. like that's i'm just being very careful with how i navigate around the situation but i still want to be there for somebody because i think you're right it is just friendship it's not like i'm overextending myself this is just being something i would do for you something i would do for a friend right. it's
1: like
0: oh coffee burp let's be there for that <laughs> oh, that was a legit coffee burp i was like i
1: and another thing is called dependency if it becomes codependent, right? Like, and there's a difference between codependency and going through a hard time. Like, you know, we we both been through breakups in each other's lives. And I think the first few months, like you chill more often, you talk more often. That's different, right? But after like six months or stuff like that, I'm not hitting you up every day on something. Let me cry all this every day. You know what I mean? That's when you're hitting a codependency level because now you're actually not trying to heal it. You're just trying to like cling on to somebody who who constantly um, reassures you that what you're going through is what you're going through, but not uh, what you're trying to fix. You know
0: what yeah. I mean? Yeah. It's- no, 100%. Therapist Catherine. <laughs> I want to get into our, uh, our TikTok of the day because I really love this topic. I'm going to let you do your thing because you be reading stuff and I don't be reading that goodly.
1: <laughs> goodly. Um, okay, so this one is by comedian Alex Falcone. Um, and it's actually him doing a bit on stage. Yeah. Uh, so I've worded it for understanding on our sake. Um, he says, I'm sick of the term friend zone. I think we we're done with that. What you're saying is you pretended to be nice to a girl and she didn't sleep with you and so you're the victim of a huge injustice that's not how it works that's not it guys are like i don't get it i put in three compliments where does the sex come out and i don't understand do i have to shake it i don't get it um i he looks at it as you just made a new friend what kind of monster is mad um, about getting a new friend he says he hasn't made a new friend Um, on accident since he was in the third grade. And if anybody wanted to friend zone him, well then he's open to it. Uh, he, He also says, let's get together, make brunch plans, develop inside jokes and be there for each other when it matters most. And then have a better version of Thanksgiving a week after Thanksgiving without our families. Let's do it. So my thing was, what are our thoughts on his comments on friend zoning?
0: I really love this topic because I feel like he's right on the money when he talks about how people look at the friend zone. Cause it really is like guys will, and I say guys, I don't know that there are a lot of females that feel this way. This is why I say guys. So I don't want people to think that I'm just, again, gaka on men. This is just my experience that men are the ones that get upset at being put in the friend zone mm-hmm. um, more so than women do. Yeah. Um, because I think, I mean, having been put in a friend zone, is it a bummer like as a female, like. Yeah. You're like, I really liked this person, but because that normally isn't my goal is not just to sleep with somebody. It's very rare that I'll get upset that they friend zone me because for a lot of women too, our friends become our boyfriends. Like we end up dating people that we already knew we've already hung out with. We've already chilled. So for us, and I think maybe that he does have the right idea in fully embracing the friend zone. You know, cause I think those are the guys that actually crack the code in a sense, because you really, you can relax and be yourself around them. And then once you get to actually know them and they get to actually know you, a deeper bond is formed than somebody who's trying to be manipulative. You know mm-hmm. what I mean?
1: Yeah. Um, I almost feel like the same. Um, cause I have, you, I guess you could say I've been friends of right? Um, I mean, it was weird. There was a guy that I slept with. We were frank. We were like cordial. We slept together twice. Okay. And then nothing ever moved off. Now, mind you, I didn't feel no type of way. I didn't want anything more with him. Would have slept with him again? Probably. But I didn't want anything with him. The funny thing is that we became much cooler afterwards. And I remember when he first hit me up and was like, yo, I love that I have you as a friend. And I love that we kind of move past the sex phase. And I remember, I'm not gonna lie, for like a millisecond in my my ego, I was like, eh, excuse me, right? But then I had to like check myself and be like, nah, like you didn't even want that with him. See, that's the difference. When a girl is friend-zoned by a guy, we're in our ego about like, I wanna be able to shelf you. When a guy is friend-zoned by a girl, to his point, it's it. I do see it as um, uh, I'm putting in the effort because I'm interested in you. And that's a problem because then it's like, do you not put in effort with girls that you're not physically attracted to? Do you not try to be friends with girls who you don't find attractive? There's a bigger problem here because then you don't have homegirls. Yeah. You know? Uh, now mind you, I do have guy friends that have homegirls who it n- never nothing ever happened, and have admitted. I'm not gonna lie. When I first saw you, like I was like, yo, she cute, and so they admit that part of them was interested. Yeah. But then as to get as getting to know you, they felt the vibe of this is better as a friend, mm-hmm. but she's so cute, right? I think that it really is those. Um, I bought you a drink type of guys i think that's who he's talking to yeah you and I, the, the only time that. the only
0: time i've ever gotten upset at a guy who's like friend zoned me is when the assumption was that i wanted anything with you in the beginning like i had a guy once who was very cocky i was talking to him he was a younger comic good looking dude like sort of like um if you think james franco was good looking like a better looking version of james franco
1: in I, a sense uh what did they call it? Cute
0: hot? Yeah. Like cute hot, but not my type, like too skinny for me, too short for me. Just not somebody I'd be interested in, but a good looking dude. And his assumption was that I was being nice to him in an attempt to flirt. Mm-hmm. And he automatically was like, Oh, you're so maternal and sisterly. And just like threw out those like terms to let me know what placement he gave me in his mind. And I peeped it real early. And I was like, first of all, gross, um, you're like a, a fetus in comparison to the grown men I date. And second of all, like, don't use maternal as like a semi insult. Like, it's not like I am maternal to all of my friends. And it's like, well, you didn't friends on me, bro. I friends zoned you, bro. Yeah, again, <laughs> it's our
1: ego. Yeah. He, he used maternal,
0: Like if you were a pair of mom jeans. Exactly, that's how he meant it. Like maternal as in out of date, as in why are like not for me, you're not my age. Like it was like in that sense. And in that way, that's when your ego kicks in and you're like, well, first of all, little man, ain't nobody say I want nothing.
1: Ain't nobody wanna fuck
0: you. So you have to be this tall to ride this You got to be this tall.
1: I um, feel it. I feel it. But I do agree with his point that a lot of the friend zone word is used from men who feel like they've been put in a, in a disadvantage of some type where it's like, I, I, you know, to your point earlier, I don't think people think about the fact that it's like, no, it could be your advantage to actually be friend zone because. It's so funny, my my mom tells me this all the time, and my homegirl Jasmine says this, that a mi me gusta lo feito, and I like They always be like, yo, Catherine, you con lo feito, and if you don't know what feito is, it's like the little ugly ones. Now, ugly is relative, but if my mother, like my mother will be the first to be like, feito, right? But I, can I say I have a type? I do think I have a type. but I think my type is completely biased based off of uh, a 90s Freddie Prince Jr. So that's really more about my psyche, more than like only interest. It's not like that's the only kind of guy I go after. But I don't have a type regarding the fact that every boyfriend looks the same because they do not. Mm-hmm. I, my type is I like your person. I like your personality. I like your vibe. I can chill with you. You understand me and you take me for who I am, right? Like as a person, you're not really trying to change me. So anybody could become someone I'm into if they're putting in the work of being like someone I vibe with.
0: Yeah. So
1: that's where I'm like, it's in your favor to be almost friend-zoned with me because then I'm not immediately putting you in any category of even like, I wanna be your girlfriend, I need to be your, gr-. you know what I mean? I'm, we can get to know each other. We are really filling each other out as as people. And you never know shit happens. You never know. That's or you never know, like whole boy who zones me. If in the end you look at it and you go, honestly, I just found her attractive, but Catherine's not my type of girl at all. And that, but she's cool, and that's cool to find out too. Like I think there needs to be, you know, uh, people need to date more. People need yeah. to date more, and people need to friendship
0: more. Yeah, don't stop Stop trying to jump into something right away or get to something right away. Like y'all need to really be legit date somebody because what happens is you jump into a thing, either a physical thing with somebody or an emotional thing with somebody before you even get to know who they are, what their flaws are, what their history is, anything. All this stuff that makes up a person that is essential to who they are, the foundation that they've laid as a human being. And you, once you get to know them, you're right. Like people could be like, oh, you know what, that's really not for me. I don't like a person who's like that. I don't like a possessive person. I don't like the fact that you're jealous. I don't like the fact that you're ambitious because it takes away from our relationship. I don't, you know, you find these things out about people as you date them, as you get to know them. If people would stop letting their representatives be presented at first during the dating process where it's like, I wanna show you all of my best qualities. So that way you think I'm this person 24 seven. When in actuality, you're like, there's a lot under the surface that you don't know about.
1: And there's also the dating just for attraction. Mm -hmm. Like I was was explaining this to somebody the other day. I find conventionally pretty men attractive, but I am not attracted to conventionally pretty men. I find men who work out attractive, but I am not attracted to men with like the six packs. Now, why is that? Because... Would I be with one? Listen, if we kicking it, you cool, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, because again, I'm interested in the person. Uh, But it's also more so our lifestyles. I'm at an age where I think about like, would we even approach life the same way? Mm -hmm. Conventionally pretty men, in my opinion, I have a very masculine energy to myself. You know what I mean? And conventionally pretty men could either be intimidated by that or almost make me feel less feminine than I feel like to sometimes be. Right? So that's why I would be on the fence with a conventionally pretty man. Somebody who's super fit. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm trying to, you know, get into my health and all that, but I'm not going to be a gym head. I'm not gonna be this person, and so good for you. But a man that comes in at every morning at not like from a five a.m. run, I'm not. There's nothing wrong with him, but I know that I'm gonna feel some way if on a, on a Friday night I just wanna chill in the house, you know, have some chips, watch some watch some movies, just like kind of pig out and like, but not every night. I'm just saying on one night. And you're like, I'm sorry, I can't. My 5
0: a.m. run. Or you're like, um, so I got us these protein chips and this protein dip. And you're just like, okay, I know you're trying, but this tastes like culo. And I'm Wait, not going to eat your culo chips.
1: I will, I will eat it if they taste good. Yeah. One thing is that I also enjoy lounging. Yeah. You know, those people don't know how to relax. You no eat, and so um, am I judging them? No, but we don't vibe. Because I enjoy a lounge day or weekend and people are like, I always got to do, I he could be hot, but i I know it that's, but that also comes from, I'm no longer looking at people like I'm in the seventh grade and he's just the cutest boy in school. Yeah. That. I'm like, he might be cute, but like pay attention to him. That's why being a friend, pay attention to the person and you start going, damn, yo, I don't want to change you. And that's why I can't be with you because I don't want to change you, but I do see what's not going to work.
0: Yeah. You're cute, but we definitely don't vibe.
1: And sometimes it's things people go, like I just said, this workout thing, uh, like a a very fit man. Some people will go, so you wouldn't be with somebody because they're into their fitness? Like you kind of seem like you're the bad one. Like I'm the toxic one there. Where it's like, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with his fitness. I'm saying, if anything, I think he's going to find something wrong with my lap motivation i'm trying
0: to avoid that yeah i'm trying to avoid a situation where we kind of both knew what it was going to be in the end but went for it anyway and i've had guys like that too where it's like you know i've dated guys like that where it's just like we kind of knew this wasn't gonna go anywhere the best thing about dating was when i started being really upfront and honest and i remember i went to dinner with this one dude that i met off of bumble and he was like one of those dudes that took a high selfie making me think he was tall. Like he did all the stuff to make you think he was different from what he actually looked like. And he showed up and we tried to carry on a conversation at dinner and it was just dead. And like, I literally just looked at him and like, at the end of the day, we paid our bills separately. And I was like, look, I appreciate you coming here, like from Jersey, but like, I don't see this going anywhere. And he was like, I honestly don't see it going anywhere either. Thank you for that. And I was like, okay. And like, I think I walked into his car and then he bounced back to Jersey. And I was just like, see, I like that level of honesty where it's just like this real, we're not connecting, dude. So there's no sense in trying to go forward with this. Like, I'm not even attracted to you like that. Like you're cute. But again, it's like you're cute, but I'm not attracted to you like that. You no, know, yeah. no matter how good looking.
1: The thing, man, it's it's like such a thing that, and I, I, I truly do think friend zone is a term mostly used by men when they can't
0: deal with rejection. Yeah, no, I think it's 100%. Like I've been friend-zoned. Okay, so why, why don't you just say we're just friends? Yeah. Why do you have to make it sound like you've been freaking like quarantined into a zone of only men that are just like, it just sounds so heavy, like friend-zoned. Like this is some World War Z situation and you're in some sort of encampment where it's just like you and the rest of the dudes that didn't get laid by the girls you were pursuing. So it just sounds so lame when guys say I've been friend-zoned. It's like, I think we've graduated past that term. Like we need to update our terms.
1: Right. You. What's funny is that your equivalent would have been you were mom-zoned.
0: Yeah, I was mom-zoned, guys. So that's even more painful because I was
1: not a mom yet. You might want to fuck a friend, but you never want to fuck a mom. <laughs> you never want to do that to a mom.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let's jump into our dear Gina. Um... I like this one a lot and I think a lot of people will understand it because I just, lately there's been a lot of stuff coming up. I don't know if the universe is just preparing me for something, but I've been talking about family toxicity a lot. So let's get into our dear Gina. Dear Gina, my sister has estranged herself herself from the family. It's been very subtle and there are no big announcements made, but when she decides she's not messing with us anymore. Wait, I'm gonna start that again. Gina can't read. Remember when I was an English major? All right. <clears throat> Dear Gina, my sister has estranged herself from the family. It's been very subtle, and there are no big announcements made when she decides she's not messing with us anymore. She suffers from severe depression. And although I'm worried about her, I get a little bit tired of the cat and mouse chase. What do you do when you're over a family member's drama, but also concerned about her well being? About their well being, sorry. Um, this is interesting because it kind of goes really along with what we were talking about earlier in the situation that my ex's sister is in, um, in that, not that she's estranged herself, but that she's going through a thing with her family. And this is a question that I'm sure they would ask themselves too. Like if they're over what they consider to be her drama. Now, here's the only issue I have is like, is it drama or is it trauma that this person is dealing with? And I think what happens with a lot of people and a lot of families too, because you're so close knit because you're so together, you are more disrespectful to your family members than you are to your friends and to coworkers and people outside of your immediate circle. Now you're saying that this person suffers from severe depression. That is an unfortunate cycle that, you know, you're going to have to deal with, with this person for the rest of their life. Remember, this is their depression. And as difficult as it may be for you, it is even more difficult for them to have to ask for help and attention. As somebody who suffers not from severe depression, but has suffered from depression in the past, it has been very difficult to even say the words, I am depressed, can you help me? Which is most likely why she has estranged herself because she probably feels that you guys are over the drama, as you call it. You know, that's a thing that, you know, a depressed person isn't an unaware person. The more they bring up their issues to you, the more they see you disconnect from the moment and like look away and not really listen and give the same advice or go, that's crazy. Like this person can feel your disinterest, which makes them want to shut down. And that is one aspect of depression that happens to a lot of people where you just shut down and you shut people out because you don't want to be a problem and you're being treated like a problem. So, I mean really it's up to you what you do about your family members. Like I wouldn't, I really wouldn't equate it with drama though. I don't think this person wants to have this depression and wants to be this individual. I think this person probably needs some therapy and I'm an advocate for therapy. So I will always throw that out there. Therapy saved my life and it saved a lot of lives. So I would suggest that you bring up the idea of therapy to this person even if you've done it before, if you want to help them make that first step, you can even volunteer to go with that person to therapy. Be like, Hey, I'll go with you because I know it's a scary process to start. And then you take that person to therapy and you let them work out what they need to. But I think in this situation, because you're talking about severe depression and somebody estranging themselves and like just being estranged from their family and like pulling themselves away from their family, this could be a potentially dangerous situation for this individual psychologically, and you risk losing a family member and that's just me being real because you don't want to deal with their drama. So it's just better that you have a serious talk about this person seeking help. I think that's the most important thing. And that's the advice I would give is talk to this family member about seeking help for themselves because you are not a licensed professional and you cannot help them through this.
1: Play devil's advocate here Mm -hmm. because I'm good. It's so vague. I'm not a fan of vague questions. Um, Because you can't really give advice on something where you're not like, you can't say things like severe drama, I mean, severe depression, but then use words like drama, because Mm -hmm. it makes me question, are they dramatic? Like meaning when they're in family events, they're seeking attention and then that's why you're using it. Or do you consider depression drama? See, there's where I'm not really sure how to feel about this. Um, So because I don't really know what was meant I think I'm gonna play the devil's advocate of this person is dramatic oh. and if the person is dramatic then that person could be toxic to the family member writing this and to every other person. See there's the the, the um, what is it the rock in the hard place right? Where you go, I'm concerned for a family member who I know has depression, just as if you they were concerned with any other um, mm-hmm. condition that a, a person may have, mental health condition. But at what point do their mental health conditions and whether they're seeking help, whether they're you know taking help from whatever they may have had from the past, or if there's medication, whatever the case may be. Or are they just expecting the same family routine of I can act how I act because y'all are family. So at what point do you pull away? And I'm sorry, like, again, I'm just playing devil's advocate for the sake of it Mm -hmm. because you said you could lose your family member. You could, and that's horrible. You could also lose your sanity and your peace of mind. So depending on the situation, which I do not know, yeah if if you are considering their depression and the way they handle with that dramatic then Gina's advice stands reevaluate how you're looking at this if they are dramatic meaning okay, they always need to make it all about them like let's just say it's uh, it's little timmy's fourth birthday party and they make it all about them um then consider your peace and sanity right because Uh, I think we can't help people until we help ourselves. And I'm sorry, having a family member like that, believe it or not, you don't have to be a depressed person. You don't have to have a certain mental health condition, but having family members like that affects you. It's hard to grow up or deal with family members who have issues. And this is why, you know, when they say, um, people of family members with certain conditions go to therapy Not because they, in their person and their their makeup, they needed therapy probably um, on their own, but they need therapy because that is the dynamic they're living in or living around. My advice is evaluate if this is the way you perceive their depression, or if this is that their depression is actually um, manifesting in a I need to be constantly saved by this family and constantly, you know, uh, uh, having it done on my in my way in my time. Because let me tell you, let it, let it be me. It's gonna sound cold blooded, but okay. You're not talking to nobody. I'll see you when you talk to everybody. Like, I, what do you want me to tell you? Because oh, so. I'm not gonna force you. Forcing is worse. Mm-hmm. Forcing now makes me the villain. It makes me the bad guy. I pero tú sabes que she's depressed. Cause she's de- so don't force her. See, you could turn up being the bad guy in that situation. So that's where I go. I let you be. I will extend my, like, if you need someone, you know, I'll, I'll extend that. Hey, if you want to talk to somebody, if there's any way I can get, like, help you with a resource of some sort that I have access to, I'll extend that. But I'm not going to bend my back for you, knowing that I might have to do this every three to six months. Yeah. That, that I'm not going to do because I have done that in my personal life, in my personal family, dealing with people's stuff and going because they family Mm -hmm. and they're not realizing until I took the step back and said, I love you, but I don't need to tolerate what you don't want to work on. And the amount of freedom you get when you do that, are you willing to let go of that peace and freedom? And I'm sorry, it doesn't make you a bad family member. If anything, it makes them, I'm sorry to say this, but I can't say they're the victim more than you are. Again, I don't know your situation, but I've been in situations where I've seen people, I had an ex who had a, a former partner who was bipolar. And I, I have so much empathy for that condition and for her situation, but a la misma vez, somebody who goes on and off their medication, somebody who is, you know, in and out of treatments, but then still makes decisions that put stuff, like that could trigger episodes or whatever the case may be. At what point were they the victim or were the partner who was trying to be there for them, the victim? It was hard for me to go, you need to be there for them no matter what, when it was like that no matter what, then also means you just need to tolerate the choices they make. Their condition doesn't change choices that they still have to make as an adult. So evaluate that, look at it and go, is this something they can't help? Or is this something it could have helped? And are you mad that they pull away? Because key, you don't feel comfortable with that because also let them be that. Like if, you know, some people like to be hermit. Some people like to be like, it's me time now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You might not be like that, but they are. That's also accepting them for who they are. You know what I mean? I think. This is a much bigger thing of like evaluating yourself. And if it really comes down to their antics, Sorry. protect the peace. If it's something about, uh, not about their antics and it's just the way you are projecting, then reassess and be uh, 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 as understanding as possible. Cause at the end of the day, you won't relate. If you don't have it, you won't relate.
0: One hundred percent. I would say, yeah. Consider Catherine's advice and figure out is it, if it is drama or if this is a really serious problem. That said, Catherine, where can the lovely people find you?
1: You find me on Instagram and TikTok at Catherine G Mendoza, and then on Twitter at Kathy K A T H I E G R A C E Tuhul.
0: Yay! Yeah, Yay! Yeah. You guys know you can find me on Instagram at G Brion and on TikTok at gibrione 80 check out the floor is lava on amazon or check out some of my work on hbo um you guys know i love to end with a piece of advice my mom gives me to this day so when life throws a lot at you handle it one catastrophe at a time people until next time, deuces, bye everybody. You the kinda chick that get to work twice daily. Looking real sweet with the bike like daily. Hands on deck, I'm mm-hmm. swimming it like David. Yeah, do it like that. Yeah. You the kinda chick that's ready to fight back. Yeah. Looks damn good, but really she tight bam. Go to sleep, I call him a night cat. Born killer. You were born killer, don't mm. get him, Gone, gone get him, mmm